Well, hey, good morning. How's everybody doing? Yeah? Good. Well, welcome to Mosaic. Uh, if you're a guest with us, uh, my name's Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here, and we are pumped uh, that you're here and checking out Mosaic and joining us for the At The Movie series. Um, how many Pixar fans we got in the house? Man, is Pixar awesome, or are they awesome? I mean, they are just incredible storytellers. And, uh, you know, they just never miss a beat. Every film just beats the next one, top of the charts, just incredible. Um, so we had to choose a Wally film, and, or a Pixar film. And, you know, along the way, a lot of people have asked, like, why in the world are you doing a series on movies? Uh, that is not very Christian-like. Not something that we associate with church normally. Um, honestly, it's, it's pretty easy. And, and the reason we're doing a, 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 film, a series on films and on movies um, is the stories are important. In fact, if you open up uh, the, your Bible, uh, if you have a Bible or you borrow a Bible, and you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, which talk about Jesus, what you're going to find is that Jesus used stories a lot. Right? Everybody loves a good story. Right? And this wasn't just exclusive to Jesus. Right? We find uh, evidence of storytelling all the way back to painting on caves and, and etchings in the pyramids. Uh, everybody loves a good story, so much so that we'll pay a pretty penny to sit in a theater and get lost in a good story. And so Jesus knew this, and he used stories often, stories that were familiar, uh, with familiar characters and familiar themes uh, in order to teach people truths. Uh, and so that's what we're going to do. So during this series for the month of July, what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at modern stories told through movies, because we think movies are the most popular modern stories. We have taken storytelling to a new art form. Right? Just out of curiosity, how many people have seen a movie in a theater in 2012? How many saw a movie, maybe at your home or in a theater, but you saw a movie last week? Most of us, right? We love movies. We connect with them. They're familiar to us. Uh, they tell stories. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at these popular modern stories. Uh, what this is going to look like is uh, this week we're looking at Wally, a uh, family film. Uh, next week we're going to look at an action uh, film, uh, The Dark Knight, Hala. Uh, and then we're going to do... Um, I know this is for the guys out there. We're doing the notebook, week three. I know. You guys called. We answered. All right, you guys. For notebook. Um, and then the last week, we're going to do a cult classic, the original Karate Kid, which is, gonna, which is awesome. I can't wait to do that one. So, and then what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to look at these films, and we're going to look at them through the, the, the lens of Scripture, and the truth of the Bible, and, and what God has to teach us. So, that being said, uh, I'm going to introduce... Uh, the next clip. If you're, it's going to kind of be a long one. It's going to introduce the, the story. Um, so grab some popcorn if you haven't already. Sit back. Enjoy. And here we go. Uh, who knew that we could be so emotionally involved with robots falling in love? Right? Just brilliant, brilliant storytelling by Pixar. Um, they're incredible. Right, in this clip, we're introduced to Wally. Right, Wally is this quirky little robot, a lot of personality. Right? He collects beautiful things, interesting things of this world that once was. And, and my favorite clip, and where I kind of want to hone in in this sequence, is when they finally interact. You know, Wally's been kind of stalking her, right? I don't know what they're teaching our kids. He's, he's following her around. Uh, he's totally taken in by her. He's just in love. Um, and she looks like an Apple computer. She boots up like an Apple computer. Right? I'm in love, too, you know. Um, <laughs> but he's in love, and they finally interact. Right? And her very first question to him is directive. Right? Directive is another word for purpose. Right? She wants to know, why are you here? Right? What is your purpose? What have you been created for? It's a good question. 
right? And Wally immediately, you know, just, uh, we didn't get to see the opening sequence, but Wally is, this shows him going through the city and he's collecting trash and building these large structures of compacted garbage. And immediately when she asks, he, he shovels it into his little cube and, and compacts the trash, you know, and says, ta-da! Right? And, and what I want to focus in on is, is Wally, what we see immediately is Wally is completely clear on why he's been created. Right? He knows his purpose. Right? I mean, we see Eve, same story. She's going from uh, thing to thing. She's searching from scene to scene to scene for something that's apparently interconnected to her purpose. And he asks her what her directive is, and she can't share that. Uh, but she knows. Both of them are crystal clear uh, about their purpose. So as we engage this film and this story, I would ask you the same question. Right, what's your purpose? For you, right? Not, I'm not asking for like the churchy, I grew up in church, cold answer, you know, oh, to bring God all glory, honor, and praise. You know, like, I mean for you, personally. Nothing wrong with that answer, but it's not the question I'm asking. For you personally, being here on this earth, why are you here? Why has God, or why, why are you here? Even if you reject the idea of God, do you know your purpose? Are you focused in that? All right, so the film has introduced us to the main character, Wally, and his, his heartthrob, Eve. Um, and now they're going to introduce us to the human race that left that earth behind. Uh, and so we get to kind of view into the crystal ball, into the future, into what lies ahead of us, according to Pixar. So, uh, that being said, enjoy. I don't want to survive, I want to live. I love that line. I don't want to survive, I want to live. All right, there's people in this room, some of you, you've been surviving for a long time. Right, and I don't have to tell you who you are, you know. Right, and there's moments of life where you feel more alive than others, to be sure, but it sure seems and feels like those moments are few and far between. All right, but this is what Jesus said. This is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. In John 10.10, 10, regarding his purpose, to seek and to save what was lost, he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. Like you will never live the life you are created to live until you come to grips with your purpose. You will never experience that full life that God intends for you until you come to grips with your unique purpose. And you cannot come to grips with your unique purpose apart from your creator. All right, so big idea, right? Big idea. Psalm 139, God talks about how he, he has uh, he's created you, your innermost being. He knit you together in your mother's womb, that you were fearfully and wonderfully made, or that, that your frame was not hidden from him when he made you in the secret place, or that he saw all of you. He wove you together in your mother's womb. His eyes saw your unformed body. All of your days have been ordained for you. See, you were not conceived first, in your mother's womb. Long before that, you were conceived in the heart and the mind of God, and it was with a purpose in mind. So, natural question is how, okay, how in the world do I begin to discover God's purpose in my life? And real simple, this is real simple. Perhaps seems too simple. So discovering your purpose begins with just listening to God and responding in obedience. Listening to God and responding in obedience. Right? Just think, for example, of the three examples that I just gave from the Bible. Right? Jesus, talking about his purpose, 
It says in John 10, 18, he says, Look, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. Why? This command I received from my Father. Right? God speaks. Jesus listens and obeys. And his purpose is revealed. Nehemiah sees a need. He prays and he fasts. God's spirit moves. He responds in obedience. God speaks. Nehemiah responds in obedience. His purpose is revealed. Right, Paul. Right, Paul said it in the verse that we quoted, right, that he got this command from God, but he says it in the verse immediately preceding it as well. Acts 20, 22, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem and not knowing what will happen to me there. Compelled by the Spirit. God speaks. Right, Paul responds with obedience. And his purpose is revealed. All right, real quick, here's, let me just tell you how this fleshes itself out for me. All right, the best I can share you is just briefly my story, and, and I've shared a little bit about this uh, before. Um, every time I get up to speak, I am so nervous. I really am. I am absolutely terrified. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a natural communicator at all. In fact, Kara is here. We served in Campus Life, like my first years of ministry, and she'll tell you, when I spoke, like, it was brutal. It was just bad. You know, awful. It was so bad. I'm just not a natural communicator, and I get so nervous and terrified. Saturdays is the worst day of my week. I hate Saturdays. Like, I can't eat. Uh, I often am losing sleep, uh, which sounds ridiculous, I know, but it's just me. I just, I get that nervous about speaking in front of people. But the reason I do it is I know that this is part of my purpose. In 2004, we had a team of uh, high school kids, 2004, 2005. We had a team of 40 high school kids. Um, we were taking them on a, a missions trip across Western Europe, about eight countries, two months. Um, that was my job. I know it's a painful gig, suffering for Jesus. Somebody's got to do it. But that's what we were doing. And, and I had been scheduled to give this message uh, just a couple weeks in. And this was like my first full kind of sermon that I was ever entrusted to give. And I was so nervous. For weeks, I studied, and I prepared, and I tried to wheeze a lot of it. And the day came, and I took off. And I went to these rolling, these rolling green hills, Scottish hills, uh, kind of what you would think about in a postcard, overlooking Glasgow. And I went there to pray and to get ready, but what I started thinking about more was how could I weasel my way out of this, right? How could I push it back and just not have to do it? And, and I don't know if you've ever had one of those God moments where he speaks into your life in such a clear way, but this is one of just a handful of times in my life where this happened. And, it, and God spoke to me in such a clear way um, clearer than maybe I've ever heard him. And he said, Aaron, I know you're afraid. But you have to understand, this is not just something I'm calling you to do today. But this is a part of your purpose. This is, a, this is something I'm calling you to do for the rest of your life. All right, so either you can obey me today, or you can lose a lot of it, and we'll have this conversation again in five to ten years. All right, that was not good news to me. That is not what I wanted to do with my life, let alone that day. Right, but I, I did respond in obedience. And very slowly, step by step, I find myself here, which is just so bizarre. Uh, I'm doing this every week. Um, but the reason I'm here, right, and the reason that not eating on Saturdays or not sleeping some Saturday nights is worth it is, is not because I enjoy it or it's comfortable or that this is what I would choose for myself. I know that this is my purpose. This is a part of my purpose of what God has created me to do. And this is what obedience looks like for me. Right? When, we, when God called us to plant this church and gave us a vision for that, we were living in, in L.A. And we thought this chapter of our stories was over. 
And we were living in L.A. in an apartment that was like $2,600 a month for a two-bedroom. Ridiculous. Uh, we moved there with no jobs. Um, we moved in with another married couple. And then we had a baby while we were out there. So literally, our bedroom was the crib with Chloe, me and Megan on our bed, and Paige on a mattress on the floor. Um, and then the married couple in the next room over. Um, and I started this expensive seminary program. It was just, uh, in retrospect, it, it seems like a lot of bad <laughs> decisions, right? And when God called us back here, and of all things, to plant a church, and for me to pastor a church and get up and speak every week, it's not, it's not what I wanted initially. But now there's nothing in the world that I can imagine doing. Because God has called us to do this. This is a part of my purpose. And I'll tell you this. Because of that, step by step, how God has just opened up the doors and shown us our purpose and my purpose, specifically, you could not buy me away from this church. You couldn't. If I got a phone call this afternoon, I know I'm kind of daring God on this one, but if I got a phone call this afternoon and somebody said, hey, you know what? Come back to L.A. All right, we're going to pay you $250,000 a year um, to run this organization. We want you to coach and train church planners and help this other church planner out and and do some traveling and, and speaking and whatever else. Like, I, I can tell you ab- with ab- absolute clarity that I would say no. Absolutely not. Because this is my purpose. This is where God has called me for this season. Right? When, when we came to plant this church, Megan and I prayed about how long God would have us initially commit to this church. And we both felt like God said seven years. That you need, to, you need to commit initially seven years, and then in seven years, you need to pray, and you need to ask me what you, I want you to do. And so we know for seven years that this is where we are supposed to be. If this thing just imploded, God forbid something happens, and the church splits, and Lord knows, these things happen. Right? And it dwindled down to just 20 people. Right? And I had to work another full-time job to be able to do this. I'll tell you, I would do it. I would do it because... This is my purpose. Right? This is what God has called me to do. And here's the thing. For you, you're going to have to discern what God's purpose is for you. And it's going to look different for you than it looks for me. It's going to look different for you than it looks uh, for the person sitting next to you. Right? Sometimes God calls us to a specific project. Right? Nehemiah and the wall. Right? Sometimes uh, God calls us to a specific kind of work. Right? Paul sharing the gospel and planting churches. Sometimes God calls us to a specific people, right? Think of uh, uh, Jonah and the people of Nineveh. Sometimes it's for a season. Sometimes it's for a life. But that is something that ultimately you are going to have to discern for yourself. And here's the thing. God rarely gives you the end result in mind. He gives you the next step. Oh, God, you want me to go over here and do this? Okay, I'll do this. God, you want me to invest in this relationship? Okay, I'll invest in this relationship. God, you want to give me my life to this cause for this season of my life? Okay, I'll do that. And Hebrews tells us that as we do that, our hearts become soft and our ears become more in tune to God's voice. But the opposite is also true. That when we reject that, when we disobey what we know God calls us to, that our ears actually become dull of hearing and our hearts become hard. Or could it be possible... Or if you're and you're like, okay, I wish God would speak to me with that kind of clarity, you know. I wish God would talk to me like that or whatever. Could it be possible, if God feels distant to you, that it's not that God is not close and it's not that God is not speaking, but perhaps for far too long you've just been rejecting it and doing whatever you want. And in the process your heart became hard 
and your ears became dull of hearing. Is it possible? That's something that we each have to wrestle with. Right, and moving forward, what does obedience look like for you? All right, what is, what is this next step that God would have you do? Because again, God doesn't usually give you the whole plan. Right, if God would have said, hey, Aaron, I want you to move to L.A. You're going to be paying three times your mortgage for a small apartment that you're going to share with another couple. You're going to have a baby. You're all going to live in a room for two years. You're going to be going to four schools at once. You're not going to sleep very much. There's going to be a lot of stress involved, and you're going to go in debt. I'd be like, God, you're freaking crazy. That is a horrible plan. There's no way I'm going to do that. Right? But God didn't give me the whole plan. He gave me step by step by step. And then the moment came, I was like, oh, light bulb moment. That's what you were doing. That's what you were preparing me for. Right? We have to, it starts with obedience in the little things. Right? And how has God spoken? God has already spoken, right? The scriptures. Right? There are certain things that God has already given us. Right? Coming in tune with the heart of God and the voice of God starts with obedience and the things that we know so that God can begin to show us the things that we don't know. And as we do, right, responding with obedience step by step by step, you become more sensitive to his voice. Your heart softens to his leading and correcting, and your purpose becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. Right? That's where it starts. Right? If you're here, Right, and you're checking this out, and you don't know spiritually where you land. Right? You're kind of like, okay, all right, I'm not sure about this. Not sure where you land in faith and what you believe about God. Right, I would encourage you, right, you cannot discover your purpose apart from your creator. It's just my opinion and the Bibles. But if you don't think the Bible's true, that's something that you're going to have to search out for yourself. Right, but if you're here and you know, right, there's something inside of you that tells you that this is true. Even if you don't know all the ramifications, even if church still seems a little weird, especially with movies playing and stuff like that. But you know that there's something about this that is true. And you've never committed your life to Christ. I would encourage you to do that. That's the first step of obedience. Right, that, is, that is Pandora's box. <laughs> and it will cost you more than you think you can give. And it will be harder than you think. But that's where the life is. That's where the life is. And so if you've never done that, what we're going to do is we're going to close in prayer. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you've never made that commitment and crossed that line, you can pray with me. And I'd encourage you to do that if you're ready. If you're not ready, this is not a decision to take lightly. But if you're ready, pray with me. The, the point is not the words, but the heart behind it. So let's close in prayer. If you've never committed your life to Christ and you want to do that now, just repeat after me. Lord God, this is crazy. I don't know everything that the Bible has to say. But God, there's something about this that rings true. God, I need your help. And God, I confess to you that there's some things in my past that I regret things that hurt other people, things that are wrong. And I ask for your forgiveness that you offer. And God, I give you my life and ask that you would do with it what you will. Lord God, I pray for the people in this room. I pray for us as a church family. Those of us who have been just kind of wandering through life, clocking in and clocking out without any vision, 
of what you've created for, without any knowledge really of our unique purpose and the destiny that you have for us, the work that you have for us. And God, I ask, as we seek you, as we seek your face, that God, our unique purpose would become clearer and clearer and clearer. That as we do the possible, God, you would do what you promised, and that is to continue to do then the impossible through our lives and in our lives. Lord God, we collectively surrender ourselves into your hands. We give you our lives, our talent, our resources, and we ask that you would use them in a way that blows our minds. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, hey, at this time we're going to do something that we do every week, and we are going to take our offering as a church. And here's the thing. If you're a guest with us, don't, if you're not already sweating, don't start now. All right, this is not for you. Uh, the offering is something for those of us who call Mosaic home and want to honor and worship him with our money and our finances. Uh, but if you're a guest, all right, that's not, that's not for you. Um, so just let that pass by. Don't feel weird or awkward. We don't. Um, that's for us. Um, just so you know, quick announcement for the men this coming Saturday. Uh, we are going paintballing at CJ's. Uh, because nothing says God loves you like shooting a guy in the face. Um, so we're going to do that, uh, and it'll just be a time of hanging out. There's no bait and switch. Uh, if you want to bring friends, cool. We're just going to hang out and have a lot of fun together. Um, there will be no four spiritual laws involved. Just so you know. Inside joke. Okay, um, so with that being said, uh, we're going to stand, and we're going to close together uh, in worshiping God through song. So if you would, uh, let's stand, and let's do that. <laughs>